It's important to know. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is solely a reimagining of the novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, and not the 1939 film or any other iteration of the story. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Aftermath For Episodes 36 and 36-2 Chapters 53 and 54 of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale Don't Forget the Woodman and The Woodman's Rage Well, well, well it would appear that Tyler has no more use for the wizard. I gave my all for this, you know. And he had the gall to kill me. Like I ever did anything to him. What a waste. Of a perfectly flawed character. You know, I have half a mind to just... Okay, okay, you bitter old man. Just settle it down a little, would you? Better, you pompous jackass. I would be willing to bet that this little bit you've written for this... Silly little podcast isn't even going to sound near as good as you think it is. A conversation with yourself? <laughs> We're doing a stupid voice and all? Whatever. Welcome back anyway. This week is all about the Woodman. And a little bit about the wizard as well, I guess. We start out where we left him. We find that he had actually forgiven Dorothy, only to be betrayed by her. Which is, of course, unforgivable in his mind. There isn't a crazy lot about him in the Don't Forget the Woodman chapter, outside of learning that he seems to have the innate ability to control people, or things, with fear. He tells the winged monkeys that he would love nothing more than to just rip them apart. But he won't, because he's such a nice guy. This is as close as he gets to granting favors these days. So, by that logic, the winged monkeys kinda owe him one. They cave and get him out of the ever-changing land, but they don't take him much further than that. Being dropped from the sky isn't enough to kill him, but it is enough to slow him down. Once he returns to Emerald, he again uses his level 10 intimidation skills to get back into the city. Okay, done with that chapter now. It's not really my favorite, to be honest with you. 
But it is what must happen in order to get back to that darn wizard. Chapter 54, The Woodman's Rage, is that moment when everything becomes clear. That standard moment when every plotline has finally been explained. This plot device, hmm, plot device, literary device? whatever you want to call it, is a super common thing to do, and it's something I often rail against. I don't like heavy exposition in many cases. Like, I don't like crime of the week type shows like CSI and Law and Order and NCIS or Bones or CSI insert spinoff title here. Because I hate the exposition. In many of those cases, I feel like it's either talking down to the audience or trying to sound extra technical or intelligent. And sometimes I think it's even attempting to do both at the same time, which is a very surreal thing to attempt. Pair that with oftentimes bad or subpar acting and, well, you know. Look, I'm not saying I can act any better than anyone on any crime show. But I'm also not being paid to either. Seriously, if money isn't motivating you to work your ass off for 20-some episodes a year, which, by the way, is less than half the weeks people are glued to their TVs, then what is motivating you? Yes, you see, I figured out that the blow to the head must have come from a blunt object, traveling about 20 miles per hour from behind. I was able to calculate the angle using this highly complex yet poorly animated program I created over the course of the last few hours. Maybe the speed isn't necessary, because the crime scene was you know, covered in blood, and the baseball bat with the bloody fingerprints was lying next to the body the entire time. Or maybe they end with the killer confessing in great detail, because he or she is just so gosh darn frustrated by the interrogators. Ah, okay, okay, I killed my ex-wife and a new boyfriend. They just seemed so happy together... It drove me insane. Look, I wasn't planning on killing her, though. She just happened to be at her house, on her day off, in broad daylight. At the time, she would most likely to be home. Her smug boyfriend had it coming, though. Yeah, I was definitely there to kill him. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for those pesky kids and their stupid dog. I like to imagine Scooby-Doo traveling in the mystery van or whatever the hell that thing is called, tracking down O.J. Simpson, who was definitely guilty, by the way. No, no, you will never convince me otherwise. Don't even try. Sometimes, however, exposition works, though. I'm fine with it in Scream. Scream 2, Scream 4... Let's not talk about Scream 3, however. 
Murder on the Orient Express, Christopher Nolan's first feature, The Following, which is a film that requires exposition in order for it to work. And sometimes it's convoluted, confusing, and pretentious, like Christopher Nolan's Tenet. The point is, I like to complain, and I'm slightly hypocritical. The book needed to come to a close, and this genuinely seemed like the best way to go about wrapping things up. I now understand why scenes like this are written. At least I split my exposition up between Dorothy and the Woodman, though. So? Good idea to cram all this knowledge into a conversation between Joseph and the Woodman? And previously Joseph and Dorothy? Was it effective? Was it necessary? I don't know. It's entirely up to you. To me, however, I feel it was pretty necessary. And I feel that this chapter and conversation between the two characters is effective. Actually, it's one of my favorite moments. Not because it dumps a bunch of information on you or offers any kind of closure, but because we see these characters interacting in a way that we haven't really experienced before. The Woodman, he isn't angry or enraged. He's calm and willing to learn. He realizes that things aren't what he thought, that Dorothy isn't who or what he thought. For a moment, it's like he doesn't even know how to react, and it causes him to be thoughtful. Joseph, on the other hand, is exhausted. He's tired and broken, getting more drunk by the minute. More drunk. Drunker? Whatever. You know what I mean. He offers up the last of his knowledge. He isn't so much remorseful as he is just kind of defeated. He had a good run, and he knows it's coming to an end. And to him, that's not necessarily a bad thing. He's just tired of trying at this point. He explains that while Dorothy isn't likely a witch, she does have some powers. She can get into and out of the greys. She can bring people, or at least creatures, out of the greys as well, as the grey lion is evidence of that. Perhaps most importantly, though, he knows she's a witch killer. Did you catch that deep cut callback, by the way? Did you? Huh? Huh? His disbelief for the preposterous idea that someone could drop a house on a witch? Of course, that is the same thing Frank says in the prologue. Oh, by the way, I've been reworking and re-recording the earlier chapters. As of this recording, I've updated Epilogue Part 1, Prologue, and Chapter 1, Lothor. They sound much better now. I also changed the name Frank to Floyd. I've checked on various podcatchers and podcasting apps, and I'm confident that no matter where you're listening from, you're going to get the new audio for those chapters. You'll know you're getting the new show because the title has been changed with the added word of Redux on it, and those episodes also have a new intro to let you know that they've been updated.
Anyway, Joseph spends his time here drinking and wallowing in self-pity. The woodman spends his time getting educated. We see the beginnings of his next big idea just formulating in that metal head of his. Now that he knows that Dorothy has the ability to get him into the gray fields, where his wife is. We also learn that Dorothy's trip to the south has taken some time. Joseph notes that she's been gone for eight, maybe even nine weeks at this point, meaning it took the woodman a heck of a long time getting back to Emerald himself. I wish I would have made more of an effort to point out just how damaged his body is now, but I didn't. So, there's that. We see Dorothy off in the distance. Oh, how convenient. He just so happens to get to the wizard just in time to see his nemesis return. <laughs> hey, you know, it is what it is. The, the two characters they had to meet at some point, they all had to come back together, so here we have it. If I missed something, or failed to address something you feel I should have, by all means, let me know. I'm always open to questions, comments, or constructive criticism. You don't have to be like the young kids say, down with it, but you can still be nice about it. I know you can. It's Dark Dorothy G on Twitter. Dark Days of Dorothy Gale at Outlook.com. The Ordinary Sun, that's S U N, by the way, on Instagram. Also, if you're interested, there's a Facebook page that never gets updated, and I do mean never. I don't even remember the last time I updated it. And there is the official Dark Days of Dorothy Gale website, which has not seen many updates itself, but those are coming, I promise. That is ddofdg.com. Currently, there's some artwork, contact information, summary of what Dark Days of Dorothy Gale is, and, you know, other stuff like that. You can listen to every episode straight from the site. No extra download, no login, no nothing. Just a good old-fashioned pair of listening ears. Also, it looks way better on mobile than on desktop. Just seems to be the way things are. Again, that would be ddofdg.com. If you tune in exclusively for the wonderful Wizard of Oz chapters, I have some bad news. It's not coming back. Until October 19th, 2021, with three more Dark Days chapters before it. For context, I'm recording this on October 8th, 2021. Also, happy 40th birthday to my older brother. If I'm not mistaken, I think that might just make you a geriatric millennial. Anyway, come back soon for Chapter 55 of Dark Days of Dorothy Gale. The Return of Dorothy Gale. If you think you know what's about to happen in this story, you better think again. Of course, 
there will also be an aftermath for that episode as well. Thanks for listening. I love you all. <laughs>